up, y'all? Every playlist tells a story. What's up, Jimmy? What's up, Todd? Back from vacation. How was it? Vacation was, uh, it was, it's always good. This year, it, it went fast, man. It's what? just... It's Why? Just, I, what makes this vacation different this from vacation, any others? I think the week went so fast because normally we go just hang out, chill at the beach. Every day is pretty much get up, go sit on the beach, drink, watch the water, chit chat, talk, get up sometime later in the day, go shower, get something to eat, go walk on the beach at night, something like that, sit on the balcony, go to bed, get up, do it all over again every day. Okay. And this year we we get we cause we've been do, we've been going to Gulf Shores long enough to where we don't do all the touristy stuff all the time. So we'll you know we we you, just, know, you know how many trips you've made to Gulf Shores? I know. I think next year is the tenth year we go with the group we go with now, and we had probably gone. I'm I'm gonna say we've been going for twenty years. We've been going there for a long time. 20 years. Love it there. Okay. That is my happy place, man. I love that Gulf Shores, Orange Beach area. That's your number one go-to That's destination? That's my go-to. We went to Myrtle Beach a couple years ago. The boys had an archery shoot. We went to Myrtle Beach. And uh, we were excited about it. It's like, all right, cool. You know, whole new kind of beach area kind of thing, whatever. And just hated it. It just, it drove, it. I, I, Myrtle I, Beach. Yeah, didn't like it. Because why? I'm used to the white sands of the Gulf Shores. Um, it was just, and it might have just been I didn't know where anything was. And I mean, there was a whole experience with the the hotel was real shady. We ended up bailing out of that hotel. Somebody had recommended us to stay there, so we booked it and got there. And it was like, it was fucking crazy. Do drop in, something like that. Yeah. So and it was funny because. We figured, you know, there was a, another place up the road that was kind of a name brand hotel kind of resort deal. And so we called them, managed to book a room. And, uh, you know, we still had three, two or three days left on the the hotel we were in. And so I went down to the front desk and at the, I mean, it was shady enough that we were at the point of like, well, if we can't get a refund, we'll eat the money. And Dang. so, I mean, it was, it was just shady. It what was, do you mean shady? It was just sketchy. I mean, just, it was big and it was, I don't, I mean, places like that, they're not going to be sparkling clean. So you expect a little bit, but it just, it felt dirty. The people wandering the halls, the people you're riding in the elevator with, it was just like, I don't know that I completely feel safe. They live there? (laughs) Ish, maybe. Right. So, but I remember going down to the, when we checked out, I went down to the front desk and there was a guy in front of me and he was laying into this chick about, his refund and they were just like you know we're trying to get the manager to come out and talk to you blah 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 and i went over to another one and i was just like look hey we got a family emergency we got to go home early if i can't get a refund cool if i can if i get a partial whatever you can do but we gotta we can't we're not staying the next two three nights or whatever it was (laughs) the emergency is your hotel sucks right yeah yeah but yeah the point was i was just Pleasant. I wasn't like this jackass who was throwing a fit. Right. And I was in and out of there 15 minutes, full refund on the nights I didn't use. And I left, and that guy was still, yeah, we're looking for a manager to come talk to you. And I just went to the car, and I told Misty, I was like, got a refund, let's go. And we just went up to the next place and checked in. And it, it was it was night. It was a you know name brand kind of deal. So it was... Honey draws more flies, they yeah, say. It, that's what they say. So... But it just, you know, and I'm sure Myrtle Beach is a fantastic place. It just, 
It's it's. But I don't think so. It wasn't comfortable <laughs> for me. I I and and it's it's probably okay. just I'm so used to going to Gulf Shores. That's just that's my place. I love it there. I love everything about it. And it doesn't it doesn't hurt that we've gone so long. Like I've said that I just I know how to get around. I know where to go. I know you know we've got our little. You know, there's the main path through town where you drive by the hangout that's always busy at that intersection. We've since figured out, you know, if you turn at this light and go up this road, you pop out over here and you can bypass all that stuff. So, you know, doing all that stuff. And it's, and like I said, you know, the first 10 years we went, every night was like, all right, we have to go to this restaurant and eat. We have to do this. We have to do that. We're down to about two or three, maybe four places we like to go and eat. And just, you know, it's, it, it's, it's. I don't, we've, we've got a formula now. Okay. And then the difference this year is, like I said, normally we just go sit on the beach all day and hang out and talk to people and do all that stuff. But this year we ventured, like one day we drove over to Pensacola and there's a, somebody had mentioned a fish market over there called Joe Patty's. Awesome. Um, we usually get fish in Gulf Shores and bring it home. And uh, this place was like, you walk in and it was like old school fish market. There was a guy handing out numbers when you went in, give you a basket. And there was an old guy sitting behind the counter with a little speaker kind of thing. And he would call the number out and you take your number up and you, they would give you a, you know, some server or whatever would come up and be like, all right, what do you want? And he'd run up and down the line with you. And we asked him a ton of questions. It's like, Hey, how do you, you know, what's the best way to make this fish or what's the best way to do this? Or this is what we like to do. And so he would recommend stuff. So it was cool. That was, if you're ever in Pensacola, Joe, Joe Patty's is cool. I would, and, and the thing about it is the fish we normally, the place we normally go we walked out with about as much as we normally get to bring home, but I think we probably spent half the money. Okay. So that was a cool. local market. Yeah. Yeah. And I think this Joe Patty's place is like pretty popular. I'd never heard of it before, but you know, I mean, it was constant traffic going in and out of that thing, man. It, it was not, I mean, it was busy enough. Like I said, they would give you a number when you came in the door. Yeah. So we did that one day. That was cool. Um, what else did we do? One day we rented a pontoon boat, went down to the Floribama, and got. we tried to do a deep sea fishing thing. We always try to do that, and I called the people that we used last year. They were booked up. I called a couple other places. They were booked up. So finally it was just like, because Misty's nephew and his girlfriend went down there too, mm-hmm. and he was down there. So we were trying to do something with them, and the pontoon thing came up because the boys brought all their fishing gear. Andy brought his fishing gear. And so let's just get a pontoon boat. You know, well, we'd actually booked a fishing trip. For Wednesday morning, drove back to the condo we were staying at, and like within 20 minutes, the place called back and said, "Hey, the boat captain saying Wednesday's a no go because the waters are supposed to be rough and this." That. Say a pontoon on the Gulf of Mexico? No, no, no. This was this was a deep sea fishing excursion. This was pre pontoon boat. Okay, so so <laughs> yeah, I'm jumping ahead. So we were going to do deep sea fishing. They called, said the captain said the waters were going to be too rough. He wasn't comfortable taking people out. Some of the other people we were with, they had like 16 people that went out, I think on Tuesday and did it, a deep sea fishing thing. And, uh, I think when they, they called when they were coming back and I think five of them had gotten sick because it was rough or whatever. So we were, I guess, cause we were trying to figure out if the captain just didn't want to fool with us or if it really was a rough water situation. So I'm, I'm going with, it was a rough water. So once the fishing trip, once the deep sea fishing was out, we decided, okay, let's see about a pontoon boat. And because they've got like a little bay in there and stuff. And like I said, Andy and the boys all had their fishing gear. 
<laughs> okay, they didn't go in to the golf. So no, we didn't go into no. There was they were very specific. There was a map that they handed me whenever we were okay. pulling out. That's like you know, here are the places you are allowed to go. Do not go past these bridges. That means somebody did. Yes, exactly. So, but it was cool. It was you know, it was funny because I you know you had to get fishing licenses for the kids and stuff to to fish, but I didn't get one for me and Misty. And I was like, dude, I'm fine just hanging out on a boat, just cruising around all day. We'll stop and fish whenever you want. Andy bought a bunch of stuff, shrimp and, and stuff like that. So they caught a bunch of cool little fish, a lot of little, uh, little like catfish looking things. They caught the, the couple of these one fish that had the freaking fin on them that looked like they were just ferocious. I mean, they just looked like dinosaur spikes or something. And at one point, I think Andy was trying to get one of those catfish off and it poked him because catfish are notorious for stabbing you with their fin or whatever. Mm-hmm. And these things were, I mean, they were maybe eight inches long. I mean, they were tiny. Freshwater or saltwater? Whatever the bay is, yeah. I mean, it's connected I'm, to the Gulf. Yeah, yeah. I'm, okay. I'm guessing it's saltwater. Yeah. Okay, all right. But one of them kind of stabbed him through the little glove we had, you know, to get catfish off. And, I mean, he was in pain. And since found out, I guess there's some sort of toxin or something they secrete whenever oh, they stab you. Fantastic. So it made sense, but... uh but they, you know, it was it was cool, and, and I just drove the boat all day. I didn't intend to drive the boat all day, but it's like by the end of the day, I was like, shit, I'm loving this, man. I need me a little captain hat. Captain Ron. And I told Misty, I was like, you want to get home? You know, like, go, go Patoka or something for a day and just rent a pontoon and just go hang out. It was just it was just cool just riding around, had music on, and just feeling the breeze and just jumping the waves and just every now and then you'd stop. They had a bunch of, um, like, little beaches or little islands or whatever out in the middle of the bay so you could pull up to that and walk around and did you play music oh yeah i had music on the whole time yeah was it yacht rock or what no i just i just picked uh i think i picked my backyards playlist because it's got a little bit of everything in there okay it's you know and it's usually when i'm in a group like that i just try to pick something that's going to be a well-rounded it was either the it was either my beach playlist or the backyard and it might have even been the pool playlist, but one, you know, those three all have just a healthy combination of some metal. And in is there it. a difference? Yeah, well, yeah, because yeah, the beach pool. doesn't have any metal on it. The backyard has some metal on it. There'll be some loud, aggressive stuff on that. Okay. And then the pool one's kind of like the beach one. They're very similar, but but yeah, but you know, classic country. Some I think you know, uh, family tradition came on, and Andy was at the front of the boat vision. Hey, man, turn that up. <laughs> crank it up so, country and music singers yeah so so yeah it was a good time and it just i love just and you know whenever we'd stop they'd fish for an hour and i would just kind of sit in the chair and just kind of just relax and it was just it, it was a good relaxing day that i can do here so so we did that one day like i said beach and drinks the, the louisiana contingent came over and did their annual shrimp boil so i got to hang out with uh justin and you know, I, I said something, I asked him something about the manaz guy, manaz. I said something about that. And he said, you're not making fun of me, are you? Like, <laughs> shit. I promise you, brother. Uh, that is yeah. one of my favorite things in the world. I love that accent. Yeah. So I, I always make fun of yeah. the guy on WWE. At least he used to be. <laughs> and then, uh, like I said, one of the restaurants, we always go to Lulu's kind of our date night for Misty and I is, uh, they've got these crab nachos, man. Holy shit. We go to the bar. Get you know you walk in and it's like yeah it's gonna be a ninety minute wait oh, can we sit at the bar so we just go sit at the bar I get a sweet tea or a drink she gets a drink and we get crab nachos which is an appetizer it's huge it's delicious I recommend it 
And where's where's this at? This is Lulu's. It's uh, Jimmy Buffett's crazy sister. L-U-L-U-L-U-L-U. That's the name of our cat, our new cat. Really? Yep, Lulu. Yep, Lulu's is uh, when you're in Gulf Shores, there's the bridge that kind of goes over the canal. Um, it's on the north side of it. Okay. You can't miss it. It's right off the road. It's right across from the go-kart track. So we'd actually drop the boys off at the go-kart track and went over there and had dinner and then got some takeout for them. So, so we got to do that. And then probably the biggest change this year, usually we get up Saturday morning, do that drive back. You know, it takes a nine-hour drive and turns it into about a 12-hour with all the traffic jams and accidents and all that bullshit. You sent me a picture of um, along the interstate. Exit 6, baby. What's at Exit 6? That's Exit 6. What is, is that? We talked about it before. That's where the booby bungalow was. Right. Yeah. But you weren't by the booby bungalow. Well, I was at the gas station on Exit 6, and there's a gigantic metal chicken. That's Not only did I remember the booby bungalow from that exit, but that... Uh, but that giant chicken there is the memory I had from that exit whenever we were, went down there with the boys many years ago. And I was telling them, because they were kind of giving me shit, because they brought a friend with them. And they went into the gas station, came out, and I was out there standing in front of the chicken having Misty take my picture. And like, boys, come over and get your picture made in front of this chicken. They were, Earl know, Clark Griswold, huh? They, they weren't having it. But I was telling them, I was like, when you were young, and I got to go, I got to go look for it, because I know there's a picture I took of them at that gas station with the booby bungalow in the background. Just because right. I thought it was so hilarious. Yeah, it used to be called Big Jim's Booby Bungalow. Yeah, yep. Yeah, I used to have a, I used to have a card T-shirt, from there. koozie. Uh, it was a membership card, like a card? free pass, like a free insurance card. There you go. And Frequent I, flyer. I kept it. I don't know where it's at today, but I, I always cherished that. It was the one and only time I've been inside that place. I, I think I said it on the episode we talked about it before, but I, I, every time I'm there, I think about that place, and I always wonder. It's like. Man, I wonder what the off-night talent was in a place like that. I mean. Oh, like Tuesday. Yeah, you know, like that, that Tuesday lunch talent. 50-cent chicken wings. Whatever. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, anyway. So, I did that. But, like I said, uh, we usually do that drive back on Saturday. And this year, it was like, man, we're going to. Because I had to be out of town on Sunday. And the last thing I wanted to do was get home Saturday night at 10 o'clock. And then get up Sunday morning and drive three hours to cover a show at 10 a.m. So we, we left Friday night at midnight and drove back. Okay. And we got home about 10 a.m. We stopped at the rest stop in coming into Kentucky from Nash or from Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And I dozed. I just pulled into the rest stop, woke everybody up in the car and said, I got to sleep for 15 minutes or whatever it is. And just went to sleep in the front seat, slept, 20 minutes, whatever, woke up, got out of the car, walked around, I was good as gold. Got home about 10 a.m., 11, something like that. Mm-hmm. And it was, I mean, it was beautiful. I loved it. I mean, there was no traffic. Didn't, oh, you know, yeah. I talked to some of the people that we'd gone down with and uh, talked to them Saturday. And first thing I did when I got home was I pulled up the map, the route, because it'll show you like the little red spots where there's slowed traffic or stopped traffic or whatever. And it was just littered with red dots everywhere. So I was like, Man, I'm glad I'm not sitting in that nonsense. All right. But so, but when I talked to my buddy Brad, they left at like 6.45, I think. And, I mean, it took them, for, I think they got home at 7 o'clock that night, got rerouted because some wreck, there was some hostage, some dude was like blocking traffic in some median. Hostage Threatening situation. to kill himself or something. So the police had the interstate closed off trying to talk him off the ledge. or So much drama on that area. There's a lot of stuff going on. So. 
So I don't know that that overnight drive home, man. That might be where to go because I, like I said, got home Saturday, took a couple hour nap, got up, got unpacked, did shit, and then you know by Sunday morning I was ready to go. So that was that was kind of the you know, and everybody's pretty much slept in the car on the way home. So I just listened to a bunch of podcasts and whatever well, kept you going. Huh? But it was it was all worth it because I mean I I never got in any traffic jam. Just kind of tucked in behind a semi, get to cruise control. And was like take me home, country road. Yeah, that's when I pop in my trucker clock CD. Yeah, that overnight stuff. Oh yeah, you know the red sylvine and you know trucker clock. Who wants it? Yep. But uh, I think the most interesting thing about this trip for me is on the way down and on the way back, Misty's been getting caught up on the episodes. So I think uh, she's she getting to know you better. She's 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 list. She's I, I know she's gotten to <laughs> at least fifty because that's one with Jr. And I think she's she's a couple of more into it. So now it was funny because driving down, she said we were said something came up. I don't remember what it was, but she was like, "I had no idea you like Led Zeppelin that much." And I just I just kind of looked at her and I was like, "You know, in less than like a month, we're going to be married for twenty five years." I, I guess I don't know how you don't know I love Led Zeppelin. And her response was, "You know." I don't ever hear you play it, which makes sense because, like I said, when I'm listening to a playlist when she's around, I, I will, I put stuff on that will give me a little what I want, give her a little what she wants. You know, I'm not going to put on a Led Zeppelin marathon if, you know, I try to be courteous to to the other listeners. So, and then on the way back, it was funny because she kind of gave me this. Oh, we we're talking about something again, and all of a sudden she was like, "And ZZ Top," and kind of had this like bewildered look on her face a little with a little bit of disgust i think zz top you like zz top that much like shit yeah old zz top i love it and it just and again i get it because i don't you know when she's not here and i'm working on a project yeah i'll just put the best of zz top on let it play but if she's around i'm not going to just going to blast her with zz top stuff so but it was just it's interesting so yeah she's she's figuring out who her husband of 25 years is if you don't know yeah. me by now, yeah, but you know, never, never the, and the way I look at it is, you know, after 25 years, I still manage to surprise her. That's yeah. true. This is the take I'm taking on it. So, well, you know, this is stuff that you don't that just didn't come up in conversation, right? Yeah, and again, news again. What I listen to when I'm around her or other people is a very different playlist. From you know, I won't I won't go out and paint the you know we're staining the deck now i won't go out there and put slayer rain and blood on if she's out there doing it with me right but if she's off doing something else and i'm alone there's a good chance i'm listening to slayer out there so that's it man that's been that's oh and the other thing i wanted to mention too it was funny i was sitting on the beach friday morning and we've got this huge i mean this group that we go it's it's like this family and then a bunch of extended friends and family come our group i think was 51 people this year 51 people. This is 51 people. No wonder it went and, fast. And it's kind of a, and, and it's, it's a come and go thing. So it's like, you know, get up every, you know, I get up every morning. I look out to the beach. Brad's got a line of chairs lined up, got umbrellas going up. I'll take my chairs down, put them up, whatever. And then you just kind of come and go as you please. And uh Friday morning was sitting out there. And one of the guys that was there, Stuart was like, how did you get an episode up on vacation? I didn't even see you. How are you even working on it? And it's the magic of podcasting. I mean, he was, he was just fascinated that I was like, dude, yeah, we get it done, man. That's how we do it. 
Trying to anyway, keeping up with this as hard as it's it's getting tougher. It's getting tough, man. The world's coming back to normal. It is definitely coming. Like I said, I've been to I told you I've been to Nashville twice this week doing shows and it's uh it's Yeah, David David Spade both times or No, uh, no. Sunday night was a, a lady named Leanne Morgan, comedian. This old I don't want to say older lady, I have no idea how old she is, but she's been doing it for twenty something years and she's just like a the sweet Misty asked me what was she like, and I said honestly, it was like working with your mom. She's just a sweet Southern lady, um, you know, it could be anybody's mom, and she's a grandmother now. Or she talked about that a little bit, but she's just the nicest, most appreciative lady. She's funny as all get out. She's it's a little bit a, like Minnie Pearl type, kind of some of that in there. Yeah, just kind of that everyday kind of stuff that she goes through, but she's got that heavy Southern draw, mm-hmm. that heavy Southern kind of sensibility to her. I love her. I, I mean. From the first five minutes talking to her, I loved her. And then uh, then last night was David Spade. Yep. David Spade. Oh, Joe Dirt. And he was he was cool as could be, man. He was he was uh, How tall is he? I didn't get out of uh, tape or nothing. He didn't get he, close uh, to him? I'm six foot and he, he was shorter than I was, but no, I didn't we didn't go back to back or nothing. Well, I mean, I know he's uh, he seems a little smaller just because of like Tommy Boy and Black Sheep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, yeah he's you know, <sighs> I wouldn't even, you know, five and a half. Five and five, five, six, five, you're six saying? maybe. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Like I said, if I, if I do another show, I'll get, I'll get a tape out. So. Well, I'm always curious. Cause you know, like I'll see if I can back him up against the wall and do a little pencil mark or something. Or like, you know, everybody gets shocked at, you know, Willie Nelson and John Cougar Mellencamp and right, ACDC yeah. Yeah. are super short. I mean, yeah. super like five, two around right, yeah. there, you yeah, know, yeah. and and Carrie Underwood's really short. Yeah. Yep, that's true too. Yeah, it's just based on what I've seen. Yeah, yeah. So it's, I'm always curious if they're really that the small. Yeah, I mean, he, you know, it's he didn't seem abnormally short. He just he's he seemed regular. Okay, height, I guess. I just I don't know. Side question. Now it's in my head. So next time I see him, I'm gonna be like, dude, how tall are you? I'm sure it's on the internet. <laughs> my buddy, my buddy Jimmy wants to know what's it like being a dwarf. And do you get angry? And do you get angry? All now, all drawers are angry. No, true. Uh, all that said, dude, he was cool as can be, just the nicest guy in the world. Talked to him kind of on and off, just making sure he was taken care of, had everything he needed. He was just that cool. You you know, I worry about stuff like that. I don't ever take it personal, but you never know who how personable people are going to be. And, yeah. his, and he was, you know, as soon as he got out of the car, he's like, "Hey, Todd, what's up?" I mean, he knew my name. You know, everything was cool. So yeah. that's good. Yep. What about you? What have you been up to, Jim? Um. Well, I just finished uh, swimming lessons with my three-year-old daughter. It was right three on. weeks of that. She's uh, she's good now. I mean, the the goal is she, you know, jumps into the pool. Okay. She swims a little bit, and then she knows to take a break by turning over and doing the back float, getting okay. her rest. Right. Turn around, swim a little more, and keep doing the back float, swim the basics, the foundation. until she gets to back to the edge. Okay. And we we you know we got a pool at home, so. We, you know, we practiced last night and things are looking great. She's doing great, but you know, it was three weeks of leaving work early to uh, drive all the way out here. Midday. New, new midday. And yep. well, it was like three o'clock traffic. So mm-hmm. it's like death race 2000, you know, get mm-hmm. to Newburgh and then you're there for like 15 minutes, maybe of lessons. That's all she does. Oh, really? Is that yeah. quick? Well, okay. She's three years old, I guess. Yeah. You know? And it's just every day, every afternoon. Five, yeah. I don't do Fridays, but you know, four days out of the week. It's brutal, you know, man. Brutal. But now she's graduated. I'm, I'm gonna, I probably put her certificate, you know, up on the, uh, 
I'll probably send that JPEG to you because, man, that is such a relief. It's an accomplishment, man. Yeah, yeah, it's an accomplishment. And uh, went to drive in, saw um, for the first time, uh, saw the summer, went, saw Cruella. Yeah. That was interesting. Was uh, it was it good? We haven't watched it yet, but it's on our list. It's it's good. It's worth okay. the, right. worth a watch. I mean, it's not much to pick from this summer. Yeah, no, it's slowly coming back. Yeah, slowly coming back. Uh, drive-in was great. Uh, drove over from, I was at Scream 1, drove over to Scream 2. Cruella was like three hours. It seemed like three hours. Oh, director's cut. Um, and so we were able to catch the last hour. Like My, my wife and, took Nola home, and they, she was with her friend, and and buddy of mine came out and we drove over, they went home. We drove over to Godzilla versus King Kong. Yeah. Fantastic movie. Yeah. That's, I, I'll never get, that's probably the best one. R- really? I okay. think so. I mean, since I'm mean, talking of the recent ones, yeah, because it's the focus is on the monsters, yeah. not the people. Right. It's, and it's a short movie. It's, it's exactly what you need. Exactly okay. what you want from them. Godzilla versus King Kong movie. All right. I mean, there's some goofy, just some weird stuff in the middle, the center of the hollow earth theory kind of stuff. That's kind of like, yeah, yeah, I don't don't know. But it's not big enough issue that it consumes the movie. So I highly recommend Godzilla versus King Kong. I started watching it, and I remember, I I don't remember, I think I might have, I think I started watching it late one night and probably dozed off. But I remember watching the first half of it and really liking it, so I'll probably have to go back and check it out. Yeah, and then uh, we had the first concert at the Ford Center. All right, who'd you have? Uh, Justin Moore. That's right. Yeah, um, met the handler personally. Yeah, I made sure and I sent him a text because I was I was going to try to come out. That was the morning. That was the day we left to go to Gulf Shores, and I had initially planned on trying to drive out there and just say hi to everybody, just because I've known those guys forever and. I just didn't work out, didn't get a chance to, but I made sure I sent JR a text and said, dude, make sure you seek Jimmy out. So you guys, sent, <laughs> you guys, I got that nice little picture of you guys buddied up together. That was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. He came out and I was just getting the merch stand together and, and he came out with a you know, coworker of mine and, uh, Colin who listens to the podcast. Oh, cool. now. So I'm calling him out. Um, uh, he, um, in fact, he found out because Jr. brought it up, and then you know we were waiting to the hundredth episode yeah. to uh, make the big announcement. Oh, Jr. Then suddenly exposed. it's gotten out. Yeah. I didn't know you had a podcast. Yeah. I didn't know you had a podcast. <laughs> I didn't know you had a podcast. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we got one. I was we're, gonna we're wait till we got to, it all kind of all the kinks worked we're out. To do a hundred episodes to get better at it before but, we tell anybody. I guess it's on Cats now. Out of the bag, baby. Yeah. So thank you, Jr. For a wonderful night. Um, Met a uh, met some uh, some uh, Hall of Fame country music royalty. Okay, um, I met uh, the the guy handling merch. His name is Chris Chris Fortune. Yep. Now his dad is Jimmy Fortune, right? Who was one of the Statler brothers? That's right. I I had a, I, I was trying to remember who his dad was, and I knew it was. I, I think I said Oak Ridge Boys. You said Oak Ridge Boys. That's, that's it right. It was Statler Brothers. It was right, Statler yes. Brothers, and he looks like his dad. Really nice guy. He's got Cur- the beard, right? Does he? No. Is he the one with the beard? No. He's got a mustache. I'm getting confused with somebody else. Then. He's not one of the like original originals, like the ones that right. toured with Johnny Cash. He, I think he came around in like '83 or whenever. Okay. Because uh, heyday. One of them fell ill. Or was not well yeah. enough to tour anymore. Okay. Um, uh, Chris, if you're listening, I'm going to do a Statler Brothers episode next episode. Okay. Um, been working on that. Um, 
I want to make it. Uh, I want to make it good. That way, <laughs> the, the problem is like you know, do I trust everything you read on the internet? I mean, nothing scandalous. Well, but it's on the internet, it's got to be true. Right? I would love for the episode to get out and for Chris to like say, no, this is wrong. This is wrong. This is wrong. I'd love to get feedback oh, from yeah. Chris on it. it that, yeah. Cause um, that's kind of what JR does. You're right. He's, he's told me he keeps notes whenever he, you know, and I've gotten emails from him saying, Hey man, when you talked about this, it's actually this. Yeah. Which I appreciate. I love oh, it. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. We, yeah, if we're wrong, we'd rather be right. Exactly. We're just going on what the internet is saying that's to right. the public people out there. Exactly. You know, so it's better to correct it. Yep. Um, yeah, but Chris was great. Uh, the show was great. I did get, I was able to go out and watch. It was on the encore. They did, uh, Leonard Skinner's, um, Oh God, what song was Call it? Me The Breeze? Call Me The Breeze. That's, I love that. Song. Is I that love, one that he normally does? It, I've seen him do, I don't know, I don't know about normally, but I've seen him do it a couple of times. I love that. I, I tell you what, that guitar player. That's Roger, it. man. That's the whole ass. That's Smart Roger Lee Coleman. Yeah. He plays like a fucking beast. That dude. And I, and I saw something, I think, I think Roger and the drummer Tucker and the bass player, I think they, I think I saw him in, Instagram, they might be putting together some sort of whenever they're not on tour, putting some three piece together to play it some somewhere in Nashville every now and again. Do I remember right? He's left handed. I don't know. I want. I think so. Somebody was left handed on stage. I think I, it was him. Yeah, I think it. I think so. I mean, it was a little I, hazy yeah. since then, but yeah. but man, that dude, he's he he's tears ridiculous. it up. I've, I mean, I, and I've done shows where like Rod Justin will go take a you know. 10 minute break or whatever. And, and Roger will, or he'll just kick it over to Roger and he'll sing a song. He'll sing two or three songs and play. That dude is so good. Yeah. Oh, so it, good. That, that well, whole band's so good. Two things stuck out was an amazing guitar player. Yeah. And Justin Moore wears the biggest freaking white cowboy hat. I think I've ever seen yeah. anyone everywhere. I mean, really? I don't know if it's just because he's so athletically I, built, so slim and trim, right. that the hat looks bigger on him. Yeah, I don't know. I've I mean, never, I've, I've never noticed it. I never. I guess I I've, think Yosemite, only Yosemite Sam wears a hat bigger. Really? Yeah. It uh, for some reason it stuck out. Maybe it was the lighting. I don't know. Yeah, because I mean, it's, it, it's it looked, never. It, yeah, it I've looked never angelic. It. it looked angelic, very angelic, very haloish. Well, I mean, it's just like the first thing you're drawn to it's is country the halo. brightness of this white cowboy hat, right? Yeah, and everything's a little darker around it. Okay, it's like you know, it's all about the white cowboy hat. Okay, well, that works. Yeah, I, it's, too, it's <laughs> I just it's all I've never seen Justin Moore. And you were mesmerized by it. couldn't take your eyes off it. Well, it's just like you walk in. It's just like you know, it's like the, you know the crucifixion in a Catholic church. You know, it's right. the first thing you see. It's yeah. a centerpiece of the whole you. thing. Yeah, you can't unsee it. Yeah, so the white cowboy hat definitely. Uh, distinct it's a distinction yeah. so yeah it was a fun night it was good to kick the rust off oh yeah it was a good show i mean it wasn't a, you know it wasn't eleven thousand people wasn't bob seeger at so this point it we're happy with whatever man hey Just whatever be doing it yeah I, I, and i think everybody was happy with the, the attendance and i uh, had a local a local guy uh sean seeley i think it was his name i saw him i think uh, on like midday news or something local boy was opening for him yeah there. i think i really helped with the uh walk up that night good um yeah so he was happy everybody seemed to be happy with the um, the things went so awesome. yeah we got a whiskey Meyer friday night that's uh gonna be at the victory theater it's a that's gonna be a packed house it's gonna be another first good time one seeing them i was have you ever seen them no I I saw them in Nashville at a 
little honky-tonk bar one night. I was down for, I don't even remember what I was down for. But stumbled in there, and they were playing. And uh, all, all I can remember is the guitar player looked like Jesus. Had the long, straight, I mean, <laughs> looked like Jesus. And I thought, man, this band's got rock and roll Jesus on guitar. And and really, I started okay. following them and listening to their music. They're a great band. They're they're a good listen. But I can't think of Whiskey Meyer without thinking, man. And I don't know if that guy's even still in the band. This has probably been 10, 15 years ago. But it was just like, man, I, that dude is Christ. They got Christ on guitar. Well, they have a following because we oh they we yeah. did very little advertising yeah and pretty much sold the place out yeah they're an underground so it maybe he is grassroots Jesus. street team kind of shit yeah they've got big big numbers big followers I mean Jesus sold out wherever he went yeah in the yeah. Bible there. well it's you know so free, free fish free fish and loaves night you know a second coming maybe if we are here we don't even know it that's right um so yeah that and uh, I don't know that's about it. The recap. All right. Let's get into some songs. Yeah, who's up first? I am going to go first this week. Okay. Uh, so eighties uh, special we got today. Okay, kinda. Yeah. Well, I, I tell you. I mean, we were talking about work picking up and things getting busy, and you know, we're it's it's just getting crazy. It's starting to get crazy. Normal I mean, life is coming. Normal back. life is coming back, and and I would venture to say it's not even normal life is coming back. It's a, uh, it's exaggerated normal life because everything's coming back so hard and bigger. Like I said, I was in Nashville two times this week, and it is insane on Broadway. I mean, just people everywhere. Yeah, everybody wants to. Everybody's ready to get out. Yeah, and go fucking crazy. So end up been pinned up for too long. Yeah, exactly. So. So I got to thinking about it and talking about work picking up, getting busy. I picked a song that kind of runs along that theme, and it's a song I've kind of had tucked away. Not really the song, but the artist I've had kind of tucked away because I watched a special a couple months ago. And it's funny because I got to at least mention that when I mentioned when I sent it to you, when I sent you the video, your response was, "What is this?" <laughs> I, I, it's the last thing I expected. Really. I did, I'm like I'm like Misty. I did not know you were a Huey Lewis fan. I love how do you not? It's infectious. It's, I, there was Huey Lewis was one of those guys you just couldn't escape in the '80s. Oh yeah, he yeah he was everywhere. Oh he was every yeah. radio station yeah. played him. Yep. And 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 you know I'll get into it in a minute, but I mean just that sound, man. That Huey Lewis and the new sound is just unmistakable. There is a there's a formula to it. I, I don't know. For me, it's it's sugary. It's poppy. It kind of reminds me of like it's the same reaction I get with Hall Notes. Okay. I mean, it's a yeah. good reaction, but it's uh, it's like a it's pop, like you said, sugary. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a, it's, yeah. yeah there's nothing yeah. heavy about it. There's yeah. nothing, I mean, it's good radio music. There's, I, I can't think of any Huey Lewis in the new song that makes me sad. Jacob's Ladder. I don't know that one. Okay. But I mean, I think of the hits. Right. You know, even the, if this is it, which is kind of a sad doo-wop song, doesn't make me sad. I even, like it. If this is it, please let me know. Yeah. I don't, that doesn't make you. It's a sad theme. Doesn't make me sad though. It's a Huey Lewis, man. Okay. It's All right. Upbeat. Makes, All me, right. makes me kind of happy. So anyway, <laughs> it's hard to pick just one from, from Huey, but I went with kind of along the theme, like I said, uh, working for a living. Always been a strong one with me. I love that song. 
Right. Something about that drive and beat. Blue collar working thing man. Just, just kills. Yep. So, did, like I said, I watched, uh, the, he did like, a, there was this interview with Dan Rather on that Axis channel I watched a while back, took some notes, general internet, Wikipedia type stuff. So, again, assuming it's all true. Jumping into Huey Lewis a little bit, just some kind of notes about him. At one point, he was an all-star baseball player. Uh, didn't, not going to dive into any of that. <laughs> <laughs> one thing that fascinated me about him was he uh, achieved... Can I ask one question? Yes, you may. Was he professional baseball player? Just an all-star baseball player. And it talked, it, where it was placed in the reading, it kind of sounded like it might have been high school era. Because all-star is on every level. Right, yeah. I don't think it was T-ball. When T-ball, okay. But kind of where it placed it in the timeline as I was reading it, it sounded like it might have been a, you know, high school kind of thing. But it never okay. really, it didn't get specific on it. It just said he was an all-star baseball player. Okay. So, uh, achieved a perfect score of 800 on the math portion of the SAT. Oh, we got a, got a smart guy. Smart guy, yeah. Um, read that his mother was close friends with the Grateful Dead's manager and extended family. So, so there was San Francisco kind of family. Some of that. Yeah, it talked about some San Francisco time, and it talked about he was San Francisco, New York. There was a lot of back and forth between okay. San Francisco and New York. Growing up. Yep. Okay. Let's see. At one time, he had told David Letterman in an interview that while he was hitchhiking across the country to get back to New York, he learned to play the harmonica while waiting for rides. So that's how he kind of picked up playing the harmonicas in between the rides. There was a talk about how he bummed around Europe after prep school for a year, playing harmonica to support himself, which eventually turned into making enough money to buy a plane ticket back to the United States. Nice. So I spent some time over there. Went to Cornell University, it says, for a year and a half, but he dropped out, joined a band. And in the early 70s, he was in a band called Clover. And uh, Mutt Lang produced their first two albums. Mutt Lang of ACDC, Def Leppard, Cars uh, yeah. fame. Robert Mutt Lang, yeah. yeah. Nice. You forgot Shania Twain. Uh, he doesn't. Yeah. I'm sure Mutt doesn't want to bring it up. Okay. It, uh, the Shania Twain album was huge, though. Had that Def Leppard feel. He doesn't too. want to bring it up. Okay. We're not talking about it. But anyway, Mutt Lang mentioned there. Uh, now, here's what I thought you would find interesting. Huey Lewis played harmonica on Phil, I'm going to say it wrong, Phil Lynott, then Lizzie. Yeah, you're fine. Yeah, I know okay. what you're talking about. So he played harmonica on Phil Lynott's first two solo records, as well as the Thin Lizzy 1978 Live and Dangerous album under the name Bluesy Huey Lewis. Really? Yeah. Did not know and that. And I know you're a Thin Lizzy fan. Oh, so. I love Thin Lizzy. Yeah, I know yeah. you do. I did not know that. Not only did he play on a Thin Lizzy record and on the Phil Lynott's uh, solo records, he also wrote the song Bad is Bad with Phil in the late 70s, showed up on a Huey Lewis records, but... Uh, it was on, I think sports was the record it was on, but Phil would play the song live in concert at a faster pace. So they co-wrote that together. So they co-wrote it together. Band. It ended up on the sports album, but I remember the song. It said Phil would play the song in concert. Okay. At a faster, you know, a faster tempo. The Thin Lizzy's pace. Yeah, tempo. Gotcha. exactly. Right. Yep. Uh, Huey Lewis calls himself a 15 year overnight success. That's true. He was. He seemed rather old for when he first hit big. Yeah. Yep. So he listened to the news, formed 1979. Uh, quote I saw said they were called the Sound of a Generation, which uh, describes them. And then uh, the sound is also described as an update, updating the sound of the past and make it sound current, which there's a lot of that 50s doo-wop, old rock and roll, right. but that 80s keyboard 
sugar to it. Yeah, is that's why I said that was I said it reminds me of Hollow Notes because Hollow Notes pulls from like R and B. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Picture this record was uh, produced by the band themselves with their manager. Not only did it include my song "The Working for a Living," it also included the hit uh, "Do You Believe in Love," which was written by Mutt Lang. Again, a little history with Mutt. Who asked Shania that? I wonder. I don't know. He didn't want to talk about it. Uh, the song Working for a Living just missed a top 40 place, landing at 41. So close. Did you see what song? I didn't look, no. Oh. No. I'm trying to keep this tight and concise. This oh, week. okay. So, uh, you know, I do have, I'll look at that. I do have a list later that I'll get into, though. Okay. Uh, and then the Giving It All Up for Love is a cover of a Phil Lynott Thin Lizzy song that's on that record as well. So, a lot of Thin Lizzy. Inter- that's interesting. A lot of Thin Lizzy interaction with I didn't with know they were buddies. Yeah. yeah. The Working for a Living song itself is semi-auto or described as semi-autobiographical. It was written by Huey while he was a truck driver. And uh, I like just in watching it, I like that the harmonica solo kind of rules the song. Mm-hmm. There's no real guitar solo in there, kind of right. give the band a break deal. And I think what what I like about is what I like about it so much is he just kind of, there's one point before it goes into the solo, he just kind of reaches in his back pocket, pulls it out, and then walks up to the mic and starts doing the solo. And I just, it's so casual. I just, I love it. Done it so many times. Yeah, it's, 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 this is supposed to be here. And uh, the song Working for a Living actually got him on the Hot Country song chart when he recorded a duet version with Mr. Garth Brooks. You heard of him, Garth Brooks, country guy? Well, I know. Familiar? Didn't he have... Well, didn't he have a half brother named Chris Gaines? There's a Chris Gaines. It's probably a little more. That's well known. his half brother, right? something like that. Yeah. Okay, I've heard of Chris. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. So yeah, uh, working for a living on the country music charts. How about that? Hmm. Now, speaking of charts, here's according to the Rolling Stone magazine, 1984 was known as the pop as pop music's greatest year. What year? 1984. 84 solid. Solid, solid year for music. And according to Billboard's top 10 list, these are the top 10 songs or top 10 albums of 1984. Tell me when you want to start guessing. I'm going to make you guess number one, but number 10, Duran Duran. Rio. Seven in the Ragged, uh, Seven in the Ragged Tiger. Had the reflex on it. New Moon on Monday, I think was on that. Maybe. Number nine, Footloose soundtrack. Kenny Loggins, baby. Can't, yeah, no escape from it. Number eight, Police Synchronicity. Beautiful album. Great record. Seven, ZZ Top Eliminator. We'll get past that. Love it. Uh, six, Van Halen, 1984. Excellent. I, was just, I listened to that yesterday. Beaten Van Halen, number five, Culture Club, Color by Numbers. No escape from Culture Club Man, back then. Huge. True. This one kind of surprised me, but I, I guess maybe just because I didn't pay attention. Number four was Billy Joel's An Innocent Man, Head Uptown Girl on it. Oh, that was a big hit. I remember right. being a big hit, but I guess I don't remember it being 1984. I gotcha. Uh, number three, Lionel Richie, Can't Slow Down. That that was... Um, Is that Dancing on the Ceiling? No, wouldn't, wouldn't that have been a All Night, all long? night long? Yeah, All Night Long. Yeah. <laughs> That's I like, true. I like, <laughs> you can't see it, but Jimmy, as he said, All Night Long, just kind of shimmies his shoulders video, back and man. forth. Oh, my God. <laughs> Gets a, gets a little Lionel Richie dancing going on in there. Everybody loves that video. Yep. Uh, number two was the Huey Lewis and the New Sports Record, which I'll talk about in a moment. Number two, okay. Okay. And can you guess the number one, according to Billboard's top ten list, number one album of 1984? 1984. I will give you a hint. 
He is my go-to anytime you ask me who I think, or most of the time is my go-to, and it's a he. He's your go-to. Anytime you got a list and you have me guess, 80% of the time I probably say this artist. Well, okay, so I, I know Purple Rain was big in 85. Okay. But I'm going to say... I mean, Prince is your go-to. Mm, I think this other guy's my go-to. Okay, I'll okay, but well then I'll cut the chase. I'll say Born in USA. Nope. Okay. Wrong. <laughs> wow, I guess that was 85, too, then. Michael Jackson, Thriller. Really? I thought that came out in 82. It was big in 83. It must have kept on going. According to the internet. Yeah. So, yeah, don't surprise me, though. Yeah, and that, but that record was... But that's deep. your go-to, Michael Jackson? I th- well, I, I think anytime you... Have me guess. Can you guess what the number one song is? And if it's in the '80s era, I always oh, just gotcha. say Michael Jackson. Okay, well, I mean, because you probably can't go there's wrong. There's some usual suspects. So yeah, that's yeah. the one I didn't think of. Yeah. So, and and even though the Working for a Living is not on the record, you got to talk about the Sports album, one of the best-selling pop releases of all time. Uh, again, produced the album themselves. I think that's awesome. Yeah. So, uh, aimed every song at radio. And all the hits that they released from that. I think I've read one place there were four hits, one place there were six, but every song they wrote for that record were aimed at radio play. Every hit sounded different, had a different feel to it. I mean, it was just, uh, uh, you know, going back to the Nickelback formula kind of thing. This is kind of one of those formulated things that let's do it this way. The song that was on that record that's probably my favorite song was the I Want a New Drug. I love that song. I think it's the first video I remember from Huey Lewis. Yeah. That song actually turned into uh, a lawsuit with Ray Parker Jr. Do you know about I, that? Yeah. I, Ghostbusters. Yeah, Ghostbusters. Ray Parker Jr. was accused of plagiarizing I Want a New Drug for the 1984 hit Ghostbusters. was eventually set it out of court, and in 2001... Parker sued Huey Lewis, alleging that in the Behind the Music episode with Huey Lewis, he had discussed the settlement in violation of their non-disclosure agreement. Well, I remember, didn't they go to Huey Lewis first to do the song? To do a song for the movie? I don't remember. Uh, I don't remember reading That's the story I heard. So instead, instead, I said, fine, you don't want to do it. Ray Parker, let's do... A Huey Lewis sounding song. Okay, and I think that's what got him going because they right. already. They, yeah, there wasn't a lot of specifics in the article I was reading about it. It just kind of said Huey Lewis sued Ray Parker Jr. for plagiarizing the song, and then there was a countersue for discussing disclosure agreement, yeah, which is a no no. Blah blah blah. So yeah, but the sports record, solid tracks, hard rock and rolls on there, heart and souls on there. I want a new drug, like I mentioned. If this is it, is on there. As well as the last song, Honky Tonk Blues, Hank Williams' cover song. Don't remember that one. I don't either, but it's on there. Yeah. All right. Back to the future. Quickly. (sighs) Yeah, I know. Uh, Huey pitched writing the song for the Back to the Future to the band, saying that Marty McFly would love their music. And there's some speculation that the lawsuit uh, with the whole Ghostbusters thing is what kind of got Huey's name in the hat. It did mention something about that. Is that kind of might have gotten his foot in the door for writing the song for the movie? All right, gotcha. So that's how he kind of got in there. What was interesting to me about it is it said that they waited to release the movie, waiting for the song The Power of Love to work itself up the charts. So they had the movie done, but that song was so strong in that movie that 
they waited for it to hit the charts and start getting popular, getting a lot more airplay before they were going to release the movie. That's odd. The song it's dictating bizarre. Yeah. a movie it's bizarre. with all the money in yep. it. Hmm. And of course, they followed that one up with the Back in Time for the as the second movie, wasn't it? Back in Time was in the second one. Yeah, uh, sounds right. Yeah, I think so. Huey himself was a cameo as a fac- did a cameo in the first uh, Back to the Future as a faculty member who rejects Marty McFly's band. They did that little Battle of the Bands audition, and Huey was one of the judges the and kind of yeah. cut him off, told them they were too loud or whatever. Yeah, right. And uh, as a joke, the the song that Marty McFly's band was playing was a heavy metal version of The Power of Love. So I do remember that. As soon as I read it, I, was like, I saw it in my head, I hear it in my head. I, I, I absolutely remember that. So uh, closing, gonna don't mean to close it on a sad note, but kind of he was one of those guys that kind of just disappeared. When, you know, he yeah, did a couple like, of records and then just kind of vanished. Like 89. Something like that, yeah. So what I found out is, and then seeing this Dan Rather thing, so he'd written, he's supposedly still writing songs and there's, there's a ton of material. They've put some records out, but he suffers from something called, uh, I'm going to say it wrong, but Meniere's disease. Oh, yeah. And I didn't a, know that. Yeah, it's a disorder of the inner ear that is characterized by episodes of feeling like the world is spinning, ringing in the ears, hearing loss, and a... Uh, fullness in the ear. Typically, only one ear is affected initially. However, over time, both ears become involved. And it says the episodes generally last from 20 minutes to a few hours. And uh, the time between episodes can vary person to person. But it leads to hearing loss, ringing in the ears. And uh, there's really, it's unclear, kind of, but they think maybe genetic or environmental, whatever. But in that interview, he talked about how he had vertigo issues like 30 years ago, and as a result, they think he kind of lost hearing in his right ear, and then as recently as several years ago, the the left ear started going out. But he's still around and kicking. I think, you know, I think he, if I remember correctly, he talked like, yeah, he's got this, and it prevents him from hearing things correctly or whatever, but it almost sounded like there was there were times where he could hear, so it was kind of, it was kind of like waiting for the fog to clear so he could hear it clearly and then can work on stuff and then it gets bad again. So then he's got to wait until it clears up again. So makes it tough to be a band. Yeah, exactly. But man, I love, and, and just in watching that video too, that bass player in the news, I mean, dude looks like that dude from Sha Na Na, that big, tall, skinny, oh, he's got black his hair, hair little pompadour kind of thing going yeah, on, yeah. the chops on the side that dude's yeah. back. And I think on the sports album era, he even wore like sunglasses. Oh yeah, but in that working for a living, he just he just got that black. He's just badass looking fifties, like he'd pull a switchblade out at any moment and cut you. It's very very clean cut man. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. And and for the eighties, I mean, you, you were talking about like culture club and stuff like that. I mean, they were just wearing street clothes. I mean, they yeah. were they were just your everyday Joe kind of guys. So. That's what it looked like. Yeah. Yep. So in closing, uh, you know, Huey Lewis and the News is a band that. I never feel bummed out when I hear, them. like I said earlier, I just, their sound just makes me happy. It's just something about it. There's, there's something in that formula, but uh, it's got that 50 classic sound, 50 classic rock sound to it, but an updated to the, I love the eighties, that eighties synthy. There's something about that whole era that I dig. And even like culture club, I wasn't a fan at the time, but there's, there's times I can go back and listen to something and find some <laughs> enjoyment in it. It's just, it's a happy time. So, uh, but it's again, it's sugar, sugary popness, goodness, it's innocent, innocence. But uh, I dig it. So my song, yeah, give it up for Huey Lewis. Give it up, working I, for a living. Yeah, and that's appropriate song. 
Yeah, because work, work is coming back. We are uh, we are absolutely getting into the mix of it. So, what do you got, Jim? Well, Todd, I always test you on how you love a song. I, I'll ask you: Would you leave the song, um, whatever song, uh, on the radio when you're driving? Would you leave it cranked up at the stoplight with the windows down, or yes. would you turn it down? Right. Um, the next song. This song I've got was definitely on my leave cranked up at the stoplight list. Okay. Which we need to come up with um, like a top 10. Yeah. Like play with pride. Play with pride. Play with pride. I mean, just, yeah, you know, just. I like it. But I'm talking about this song here. I'm talking about Germany's finest export outside of fried kraut balls. I'm talking about the band, the Scorpions and their all time classic, the zoo. Um, off of the Animal Magnetism album. Appropriate. Came out uh, March 31st, 1980, their seventh studio album. Dirk Studio, just out outside of Cologne, Germany, is where it was recorded, owned by Derek Dirks, who produced, engineered, and mixed all of the Golden Age Scorpion albums from Entrance to Savage Amusement, reached 52 on the U.S. Billboard album charts, reached gold status in the U.S. in 1984, platinum status in 1991. Huge album for the for the scorpions what album was it again i'm sorry uh animal magnetism I- i'll talk about it okay uh, a little bit about the scorpions for those who don't know and aren't in their 50s um band formed in 1965 by brothers rudolph and michael shanka uh rudolph was 17 michael was 11 when michael left in 1973 to join ufo which i talked about in a prior episode yep Rudolf Schenker and lead singer Klaus Mein decided to join a band called Don Road that featured Uli John Roth and bass player Francis Buchold. But, you know, these are all German. Uli uh, John Roth here. was the guy that played those weird teardrop-looking guitars, wasn't he? Yeah, he was a huge Hendrix influence yeah. guy. Um, yeah, Uli, and he's still playing today. Okay. In fact, I think Francis still uh, does gigs with him. Uh, Uli Roth... Uh, didn't want to go with the Don Road name, though. He he decided that we, we should go with the Scorpions name instead of Don Road because Scorpions had their Are first badass. album out. They're badass. And they already had a first album out, Lonesome Crow, which was doing well in Germany. And and the, the name Scorpions was better known than Uli and Francis band, so they decided to stay the Scorpions. Uh, they went on to make four albums with this lineup, uh, picking up uh, Herm, drummer Herman Raybell, rare bell along the way and stayed that way until uli john roth left to form his own band enter matthias jabs that dude was badass he brought a whole that that, that dude that dude was an, an 80s generation bumblebee the, the, the band score if you can listen to the uli john roth scorpions and listen to matthias's version mm. i mean it's like going from hendrix to van halen yeah it's just it's just totally two totally different yeah. bands. I, that dude is what, outside of the sound, but just by the look of that dude is what drew me to that band. Oh, Matthias. Oh, he was just he just was classic rock star. Yeah, he yeah. was perfect for the eighties. Yes, yes. With the with the stripes uh, yep. and everything going. And then you played the Explorer too. Those big old fucking yeah Explorer guitar. God, I love those guitars. Oh yeah. Fantastic. Yep. Uh, he was discovered by Francis Buchold, uh, tutored him in mathematics to make extra money. 
Francis was a teacher. He tutored Matthias to make extra money and knew about his ability to play guitar. And it was Francis, he was a bass player in the Scorpions, right. who suggested bringing Matthias into the band. So you got the classic lineup with Matthias coming on board in 78. And it was that classic lineup all the way to 1992. Now with Animal Magnetism, this is the second album they did with Matthias. Uh, huge pressure coming off the success of the first album they did with Matthias, Love Drive, finally breaking through the U.S. and the U.K. Uh, they had six weeks to record Animal Magnetism before going back out on the tour. So a lot of pressure yep. to not only keep the success going, but make it better, make it better, keep it growing, keep it growing and a little time to record. But many of the songs were already written going into um, to uh, make this album and, and all of it inspired from events of the first U.S. tour, being the opening act for bands like ACDC and Ted Nugent. The band said Ted especially taught them how to entertain an arena full of people. Being that hyperactive really helped in that role, and Ted was a was nothing like he. I mean, the old man Ted and the young Ted are two totally different people. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Ted was swing classic. Ted, he was, would come in swinging on the vine. Yeah, with a deer tail stuck on the, <laughs> the back of his back of his, his crotch. loin cloth. The loin cloth. Yeah, Shooting he was a jungle man. Speakers. Yeah, fucking yeah. wild man. A wild man. They they taught him a lot about how to entertain a huge arena. One of the things that always stuck out to me about this album, Animal Magnetism, was the album cover. Now, the album cover for Animal Magnetism is, to me, a little strange. You have this guy standing with his back to the camera in the in his 70s designer jeans holding a beer, and the camera only shows him from his waist down, so his ass is taking up most of the picture. Then you have this... Um, to this guy's left is this woman on her knees looking up at him in the face. And then to her right is a Doberman pincher staring at the guy's groin area. RateYourMusic.com had Animal Magnetism ranked 83 on the 100 worst album covers of all time, beaten out by Prince's Sexuality for number 82. <laughs> the comment the article writer in on RateYourMusic.com uh, made about the Animal Magnetism cover was... Mary deep throats like a champ. Roscoe loves to lick peanut butter. Which to choose? Which to choose? <laughs> the number one album cover on this list is an album cover I've hated on before on this podcast. And it's another Prince album cover. Can you guess which one I'm talking about? I'm gonna I've one. called this one out. You, the earlier one you said was Love Sexy, right? That's number one. On this list. Is it? Okay. I thought that was so divisive between the casual Prince fan sure. and the hardcore Prince yeah. fan. And I was a casual That's one. Lying in the sand, man. Yeah, that was a line. I cannot. You're either going to commit or walk away. I don't want to die and then somebody go through my stuff <laughs> and find out me owning a love sexy right. album. So you've taken the poster down then? It's, you know. Yeah, storage. It's storage. Just <laughs> if I need to look at it. Right, yeah. Interesting enough, Scorpions came in at number two with their 1977, or I think it was 76 album cover, Virgin Killer, which I thought was more criminal than Prince's Love Sexy. Now, my brother had this album, and his version did not have the controversial cover mentioned in this article. So it must have been cut off as far as print. Uh, cut off after complaints i'm guessing my brother's album cover is just the five guys you know all with their fists you know facing the camera and just being badasses all you need to know about this controversial initial cover is that the this uncensored version uh it depicts a, a 
prepube naked girl with what? what appears to be a flash of light emitting from her private area. It's a very bizarre choice. I saw it on the internet. It's uh, anyone involved with I would get arrested today. I think uh, Scorpions, their idea for album covers are one of the most bizarre. Scorpions had a total of three album covers on this list. Uh, Love Drive was the third one. It came in at 66, which it deserves, definitely deserves if you've ever seen that one. Klaus Mine, the singer of the Scorpions, wanted to repeat the vibe of the Love Drive album, so he rehired uh, Stone Thurgeson, who did the Love Drive album cover, to come back over to Cologne and come up with some ideas with the album as a theme. Klaus said about the cover and his uh, German accent. Uh, I, I don't understand what the uh, fuss is all about. You have a man, you have a woman, and a dog, and the rest is up to your uh, dirty mind. It's, uh, it, it, it's, it's about all things uh, pleasurable. Um, <laughs> I'm just paraphrasing. They, yeah, they, they do things a little different over Germany. Yeah, they're... They're a little bit out there. And plus the 70s were a little loose. Yeah, yeah. Still <laughs> but, trying to figure it out. But yeah, he was all trying to, um, he was trying to keep the love drive uh, theme going. So <laughs> okay. it, 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 I think it is an album cover cuts to the point about animal magnetism is a, sure, yeah. a animal instinct. Yeah. So uh-huh. yeah, it's, uh, it, it's, it, 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 it was what we wanted to keep going. I, the the question I have whenever I see covers like that, I always wonder to myself, it's, it's like, man, because you seem like you'd be so proud, especially if it's an early record. You know, if this is later in your career, probably not as much. But, you know, you think, man, my first, my first record, third record, whatever it is, mom, look, this is our new record. And it's like, man, is that kind of what you want to show your mom, some of this shit? Yeah, I mean, like Love Drive. I mean, do you really... Yeah, what, uh, the guy's hand. No, 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 no. You don't understand. The it's it's symbolism. It's, it's all symbolism. <laughs> it's it's making a point. Well, and here's the problem. They trusted Strom Thurgeson because he has, uh, he has done many. He's got a rich history in rock. Yeah. Uh, he was. Um, have you ever heard of him? No. This um, he comes from a London art design group called Hip- Hypnosis, H-I-P-G-N-O-S-I-S. Okay. It's, um, they specialize in creating cover art for albums for rock musicians and bands. Uh, here's a, they got their start with Pink Floyd. They did their second album, Saucer Cup of Secrets. Uh-huh. Uh, that led to interest from EMI, a recording company to create more album covers here's a li- here's a list of some of the ones you probably know sid barrett's madcap yeah madcap laughs yep. we we played that music before uh, t-rex's electric warriors nice uh he did he did every pink floyd album from saucer cup of secrets through division bell with the exception of the wall which was uh gerald scarf led zeppelin house of the holy okay strong uh presence in through the outdoor all the bad company albums acdc's done dirt cheap the international version, not the Australian. Right. You know, where they got the uh, the, the black box, black box over, the over the eyes. eyes yeah. yeah. The was very bizarre Black Sabbath technical ecstasy, which I think is the most bizarre as far as yeah. drawn. And, and it's even more bizarre if you, if when they explain it, yeah. what's going on in that picture. Right. Uh, I'm going to talk about 
that in an upcoming episode. Okay. Uh, Never Say Die, uh, your favorite Al Stewart, You're the Cat, Time Passages, those albums. Every UFO album from 74 to 83. Every Paul McCartney album from Band on the Run to Back to the Egg. Uh, Sticks, Pieces of Eight, Def Leppard, High and Dry. Uh, all the Joel and Turner Rainbow albums. I mean, the guy's got... There's a comp, yeah. There's a lot of trust. As and, you're seeing them all, as you're reading them all off, it's like I'm seeing the images in my head, and it's like, yeah, okay, I see the theme. There was total trust in this yeah. um, Storm um, Thurgeson. He also did Audio Slave's debut album, The Cold Electric, Muse's Black Hole and Revelations, Robert Plant's Prince of the Moment, and many others. Okay. The guy's a legend as far as album covers go. Now, as far as uh, my song this week, The Zoo, I'll start with a couple of YouTube comments that you hear about the song. First one, I was blasting this today with my windows down when I pulled up next to an old lady with her windows down. She looked at me, smiled, and gave me a thumbs up. Nice. You know, we were talking about, you know, would you crank it at the, at the, right. at the stoplight? Second uh, comment here I saw, driving through the ghetto in Chicago, blasting this song on my 1,000-watt system. And the brother on the corner yells, that jam is dope, boy. Crank it up, homeboy. <laughs> no shots my way! Exclamation point. I mean, the, the way you say it too is is exact. The delivery's got to be exactly how it was. It was, you know, it yeah. was. yeah, yeah, yeah. You're deepest, so good at the voices. Um, you know, I I, I keep it real. Yeah, I you keep do. it real. Jimmy from the block. Now, the song was a combination of experiences. Rudolf Schenker, rhythm guitarist of Scorpions and Klaus Mine, had in the United States. Musically, St. Louis, St. Louis Zoo? Close. Okay. Musically, Ru- Rudolph recounts. The main riff you hear throughout the song, you know, the dun-dun-dun-dun. Yep. Just a dun, real driving. Yeah, solid. Yeah, solid. Rudolf Schenker compo- composed while watching a tornado alarm on the TV at a hotel the band was staying at. Didn't say where. But basically, he was trying to be the soundtrack to the drama that was occurring during the tornado alarm. Nice. He made sure to put this riff uh, to tape so he could play it later. Later. Now, the opening riff to the song had its own story. According to Rudolph, he, again, was in a hotel, the Peachtree Plaza Hotel in Atlanta, to be exact, Rudolph said. Rudolph uh, saw a helicopter out of his high-rise hotel window. And it was also the same helicopter that was on TV news he was watching. The news helicopter was covering a bank robbery happening down below on the street. And that's how Rudolph came up with the opening riff. Again, watching the drama play out in front of him, he was playing guitar to match what was happening. So so the, the key here for all you up-and-coming musicians, you just kind of watch the TV and play along with what you see. Yeah. That's how you write hits. That's a good way to do it. That's that's a nice little trick. Rudolph played the riff for Klaus, who fell in love with it. Uh, Klaus told Rudolph uh, it reminded him of when they first signed with Mercury before the Love Drive album. After signing their contract with Mercury Records, the executives in the New York office said, Guys, we'll, we'll take you out to the zoo tonight to celebrate. And this German band was confused, thinking they meant they were going to see penguins and kangaroos. Yes. Uh, they were talking about the nightclubs on 42nd Street. Gotcha. And Klaus wrote the lyrics based on the experience of that particular night on the town. Right. Now, the final piece that puts this uh, song over the top is uh, Matthias's use of the talk box. The talk box, and that thing is beautiful. Um, 
If you don't know what a talk box is, it's basically an amplified floor pedal that serves as a speaker that you input your musical instrument into. The, on, the only basic difference between an amplifier and a talk box is that a talk box has a circular hole for the speaker output. Giggity. Giggity. And through that speaker, you insert an airtight, airtight tube. So the sound travels through the tube, which, which the musician puts in his mouth. So sexy. So sexy. And it's uh, the musician's mouth that manipulates the sound coming out of the talk box amplifier. You get all that? I, I did, and I'm, I'm hesitating adding in probably made most famous by uh, Mr. Peter Frampton. Mr. Peter Frampton. In I fact, know, he I played. I don't want to steal your thunder, but. Oh, no, no, talk no. Talk boxes. That's, that's where he got his inspiration yeah. for it. Because he was saying, you know, it was such a different vibe with the zoo, the song, right. where Rudolph and Klaus come up with. It needs something a little different. And he remembered uh, loving the Peter Frampton Comes Alive album. And yeah. he thought that would be good. Mm. But the thing is, is he had never um, never played the talk box, never oh, really? experiment, experimented with it. So he went out and bought one and brought back to the studio while they were recording the album and tried to learn how to figure it out yeah. so he could lay that down for the... Uh, the song Motley Crue "Kickstart My Heart" talk box on that too. Uh, yeah, I was getting ready to bring up a list of. Uh, oh, okay. Just, again, I'm trying not to steal your thunder. But no, no, I'll, that's I'll that's top of the list. It. If you know "Kickstart My Heart," you know at the end the you know Mick uh, Mars uses that uh, talk box. You know for the "Kickstart My Heart," mm-hmm. that's all talk box. Uh, Manny Charlton, Nazareth, Hair the Dog, yeah, uh, right in the middle for the solo. Daft Punk, Around the World, done through talk box. Uh, Weezer, Beverly Hills, a solo, a River Cuomo, who just turned 51 in, uh, last week. Happy birthday, River. Happy birthday, River. Allison Chains, Man the Box, Joe Walsh, Rocky Mountain Way. Yeah. Classic. Peter Frampton, we talked about the, him with Do You Feel Like I Do and Show Me the Way. Uh, Aerosmith, Sweet Emotion. Yep. Right at the beginning. Uh, Tupac, California Love. Mm-hmm. Um, of course... You got you got to mention Richie Sambor, Bon Jovi, Living on the Hell Prayer, yeah, Earth, Wind, and Fire. Let's groove tonight. You know, there in the intro, we can boogie down, down upon down the boogie down, down upon down. <laughs> uh, Rufus and Shaka Khan, tell me something good, and Rage Against the Machine, wake up. That's a song you hear when Neo walks out of the phone booth at the end of the Matrix. Yeah, there is a little bit of that vo- talk box action there. Awesome. Uh, we talked about Matthias, how it said it needed extra atmosphere, um, and figured it out while he was never recording the album. They only had six weeks to get this album done. I thought they did an excellent job. Yeah. I mean, that whole talk box thing for him to not know how to do it. I mean, it does feel like experiment and figuring it out, but it sounds, I mean, just knowing that now it's like, yeah, I get it. Flawless. It yeah, sounds flawless. Really good. Good job. Good so, job. Yeah. So with the Rudolph. Rudolph's love of TV drama, Klaus's love of New York City nightlife, and Matthias's love for Peter Frampton, you get one of the greatest songs in classic rock history, and that's my story. You're sticking to it. Sticking to it. That's a that's a that's that's one of the Scorpion songs that I didn't really initially appreciate right away, um, but I've since come to love it. Oh yeah, yeah, it is so. my favorite. And Scorpions, I mean that Worldwide Live record. Mm-hmm. Shut your face. That's one of my favorite. That one and uh, Iron Maiden. Life After Death. Yeah. God, I love those live records. Yeah, and they came out about the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, pinnacle of uh, definitely Scorpion's career was yeah. the worldwide live. And isn't isn't the drummer, 
who was was it Nikki something? Who was Mickey D? Is playing drums for Scorpions. He's, yeah, he took yeah, over yeah. Herman's uh, yeah. spot. Yeah, yeah, for Motorhead. Yep. So. Yep. Awesome. Good job, man. That's a great song. Yeah, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to develop this play with pride song rating thing. Is this a for Pride Month? Leave it. Well, no. <laughs> yeah, I, I suppose it is Pride Month. It is Pride Month, but I was um, call it play it loud, play it proud. I don't know. Come up with something for it. We'll have to come up. With, we'll have to flesh that out a little bit. But I like that idea. Okay. All right. Well, you got anything to close with? Happy Father's Day, everybody. Happy Father's Day, everybody. All your dads yep. out there. Yep. Dad rock. Dad rock. Yep. Put on your best uh, dad outfit and kick on that grill or do something fun. Oh, yeah, definitely. As always, songs on the Spotify playlist, uh, socials, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Email us at everyplaylisttellsastory at gmail.com. Support the bands that we talk about. And uh, I'm going to close with uh, a quote from one of a guy I've not watched on YouTube for a, lot, a little while, but Steve Jessup. You familiar with him? Mm-mm. Steve Jessup's guy got, used to be a video of him. I think he got drunk or he got arrested being drunk, driving a lawnmower around. He's got a YouTube channel called uh, Weed, Whiskey, and Women. I haven't watched it for a couple of years, but it was entertaining for a little bit. But uh, I'll close it out with a quote from him. It's a... Uh, We'll talk to y'all later. We got shit to do. (laughs) Wow. Profound stuff. Profound stuff. That's how we do it. All right, man. Thanks. Bye.